<laughs> you ready to uh to do the do <clears throat> how are you feeling how are you uh how's your hands are your hands warm? <coughs> i had a frog in my throat but let's do this uh, la, 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 la. red leather yellow leather red leather yellow leather red leather yellow leather red leather yellow leather red rum red rum I smell like beef. I feel warmed up. I feel a little, a little hyper, a little jazzy. Ready to, uh, ready to start this off. I'm not good at starting. Alrighty, let me get ready. Ready in three, two, one. Welcome everybody. We are your hosts, really nerdy gamers. <laughs> Steven, also that was lo- that was some low energy. I need I need hyper, Steven. Is this too early? Are we not hypered up yet? Do we need do you need a joke? It's still early. It's still early. Okay. Use use like a burst of energy and then we can be low energy for the rest. All right. Ready? Three, two, one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Steven. I'm gonna do this. I'm just gonna uh. I'm just gonna sit. Okay. <clears throat> Alrighty, welcome everybody to your podcast, Really Nerdy Gamers. I'm your host, Steve Vixen, followed by... Hey everybody, my name's Matt. Welcome to Really Nerdy Gays, where we are really nerdy, and we're also gay. At least that's my understanding. Is that correct, Stephen? Wait, wait, wait. Hold up. You're gay? Technically queer... But I know it's shocking. Surprise! So am I. Oh my, do you like nerdy things? I totally do. Do you? uh, Oh my God, are we going to talk about pop culture? I think we might. (gasps) We should record this. We totally should. I, I I hope all of our listeners will listen. I hope so, they too. Because this sounds fun. It, it's going to be fun. I've got my seatbelt on right now. I chugged my Pepto-Bismol. I'm ready for all eventualities here. Oh, so the vomit's going to come out pink on the roller coaster ride. I mean, what else would you expect from a gay person? Rainbow glitter. Does glitter have taste? Could you eat? You could eat glitter. You could totally eat glitter. You know what I ran across? So for everybody... Matt and I have known each other for a long time. 84 years. Oh, man. That would make us 52. (laughs) But no, I ran across when uh, we did Pride and Bianca was in love with us. And I did everybody's makeup. I remember. I remember that Pride because... Everybody else was out on the dance floor dancing. And I was just sitting there because I looked over and I was like, everybody's book bags are sitting there. Nobody's watching it. They're going to get stolen. So I'm going to take one for the team and sit here. Meanwhile, I look over. Bianca's sitting there. She looks harried because some people are trying to talk to her. And clearly she has this look on her face like, this isn't not working. You're not suave. Leave me alone. And they eventually get the hint and leave. And I like look over and we lock eyes and we just kind of laugh. And I look to her and I say, 
looks like you're having sort of a fun night and she kind of grumbles. And I said, you know how I prepared for tonight? Me and my friend watched the Babadook last night. It scared the shit out of us. We Babadooshed. Oh God, I can't believe you made that joke. She cackled like crazy and I felt so fulfilled. I don't know if I ever told you that, but that's what happens when you stay off the dance floor. You never did tell me that, but that's funny. I can't believe you told her that. I'm not afraid to tell anybody any sort of stupid thing. Like, I'm never going to see these people again. Although somehow, ironically, I always would run into Bianca Del Rio at New York Pride. In the before times. In the before times, that is. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I ran into her the following year also. And it's just one of those, every time I see her, it's we remember each other. So. We love Bianca Del Rio. So this is our episode one, Stephen, and we previously did episode zero, sort of an introductory episode to ourselves, sort of being more of a flavor uh, of what we are. And going back, editing the audio, one thing we talked about is what our D&D classes are. And your class that you wanted to portray is the rogue. And me, in my ever infinite wisdom, the class I proclaimed for myself was the thief. And I did not realize that that is not really a class in D&D, but just another way to say, I want to be a rogue. And being the person that I am, being the kind of person that doesn't want to be copied and always has to be unique in some sort of way, I wanted to revisit this because I want to ask you, being that we both want to be rogues, being that we both are rogues, we need a little bit more differentiator between us. So what would your subclass be? Oh, my subclass would be Bard. Steven, I wrote it down before we started. What does this say? Thief Bard. <laughs> Steven. Well, so I wrote underneath you- it another one. What, what, would, what would your third subclass be? Are you going to say Druid? You fuck. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, we're just the exact same. We're all rogue bar druids in this house. This is a rogue bar druid safe space. Okay, well, to be fair, the main inspiration for rogue is that I love ninjas and I want to be a ninja. So that is the closest D&D class to a ninja aside from monk, but I don't feel like I'm very strength I don't have a lot of strength to me. I'm short. I am concentrated. I'm small. So I would say like I stick to rogue just because they're small and inconspicuous. And I feel like I can blend in the background. Not necessarily that I am stealthy, but I can just blend into the background. Otherwise, on the flip side of that, I'm very charismatic. I can talk to a hole in the wall and it's suddenly my new best friend. I can make anybody feel comfortable. So Bard would be my second class. And then Druid is my third, only because then I can turn into a fox and skitter away. Okay, let me let me counter all of this. Because for me, I want to be a rogue because I may or may not be a recovering kleptomaniac. I plead the fifth. I will not self-incriminate on this podcast. I've recently been playing Skyrim again. And anytime I see little gold circles, my mind is like, ooh, gold, steal it, steal it, steal it all. I just, I just want to collect all the things, honestly. And then when it comes to being a bard, 
I just want to talk to everybody and I want to use my charisma to, I don't want to say get what I want, but to have a good time. Are those two different things? And then we're just getting more and more similar here because when it comes to Druid, I just want to turn into animals. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. I want to be in nature and have fun in the forest, so to speak. I really thought going into this that we would be able to have some sort of differentiator, but a piece in the back of my mind was saying, we're both going to be rogue bards. I did not anticipate the three-way that we just had. And can I, can we revisit the fact that you like to talk to the holes in the wall so that things feel good, Stephen? That was very suggestive. And I don't know if you consciously thought that out as you were saying that, but Stephen wants to be a bard for the, for the glory of it, shall we say? Uh, I'm a bard for the glory holes. Is that what I was saying? Goodness gracious. I didn't mean any of that. Uh-huh. No, I've, I've, I've had that conversation before where it's just, I can talk to anything and it just suddenly becomes my new best friend. Not by choice. That's a relatable feeling. You're so charismatic that you just draw people to you. And in your internal monologue, you're thinking, I don't want to be in this situation. I'm just being friendly and I can't help it. Why are you telling me secrets? And then they're still talking to you. Oh my God, there have been plenty of times where I'm just like, I don't care. I don't want to know this. This is bad. Red flag, red flag, red flag. (laughs) But the queer part of me is like, give me all the juice. Give me all the gossip. I will take your secrets. I'm not going to do anything with it, but I'm sitting here like rubbing my hands together, happily knowing all your innermost thoughts and secrets, your innermost crimes i don't know what people tell me half the time i forget it because it's not important to me but please give me all the tea give me all the juice give me all the the goss what's your favorite slang word for any of those my favorite slang word in all in total is copacetic oh fuck copacetic yeah are we copacetic steven i think we might be copacetic we're totally copacetic are we anesthetic We're not anesthetic, just copacetic. Are we anemic? No, not anemic. Are we bulimic? No, well, maybe. Are we bucolic? I think we're bucolic. We can be bucolic. That means like lovely and serene and beautiful. Okay, we're bucolic. We're bucolic. We're absolutely bucolic. And that's the word we're going to settle on, bucolic and alcoholic. Because if you drink alcohol... That's gay because you can't think straight. But um, tush, insert sound effect. We're gonna get on that. So Stephen, let's let's start with a segment. We've been thinking about segments, things that seem to recur. Because part of the reason why we wanted to start this podcast was we just always have interesting conversations. And one of the areas that we've noticed tends to recur a lot is us talking about the shows we watched, but. In understanding this logic, it's come to light that in the time it takes me to methodically watch through one show, you can binge through three animes, a whole podcast, and fly around the world two times. You consume media so incredibly fast. So 
let me ask you this one simple question. Steven, what you binging? Let's see, what have I been watching recently? Um, <clears throat> well, recently I've been binging Afterlife. That's the Ricky Gervais show. That's been really, really good. Normally I'll binge an anime, but it's kind of been a quiet period. Everything is still going on. Speaking of which, I have to catch up on Yashahime today. Huh. So when I talk to you tomorrow, you'll have finished that entire show. No, because the show is still ongoing. Same thing with Afterlife, even though Afterlife is now on its final season. But I'm really just been binging Afterlife because it's kind of one of those shows that you have to you have to be emotionally ready to watch it because the mm -hmm. whole premise is the guy's wife dies and it's him going day to day, coming to terms and acceptance of her death. And she left him cute little after death notes in the form of videos. So he's watching, he's replaying and whatnot. And she's just like, go find somebody else. Go be happy. Yada, yada, yada. Same thing any of us would tell any of our loved ones. And so that's the whole premise of the show. There's a lot of wacky and just crazy stuff that really make you kind of like, oh my God, cringe. And, you know, just kind of like, man, you're really in that kind of position. Like you just, you get absorbed into the ideas portrayed on the show. Ricky Gervais does a really great job of just like, being an asshole and it's just a fun watch <laughs> ricky gervais i don't know if he's playing a character or that's who he really is but i watched a supercut of his emmys performance and just hearing him rip into that crowded room same reaction that you had i just covered my eyes and kind of cringed a little bit but on the inside i was loving every second of it that's what i'm saying so that has to be him like Ricky Gervais is one of those. He's done multiple things. And the show, Derek, he plays a, a neurodivergent person. And he's just so heartwarming and so heartfelt. And it's great. And then you go to Afterlife and he's just a douchebag. And it's just like, this is, this is great. So I think it is him. I think that's just him. All the best comedians, you know, their personality shines through in their work. So let's just give him the benefit of the doubt and say he's playing up his more assholey tendencies is that an adjective assholey i don't think that's an adjective but i would like to buy a vowel so yes that's what you would call the best lay you ever got it's assholey so good it takes you to church bam <laughs> i've just been watching in the time you've been watching all this stuff I've just been watching my way through Venture Brothers and I've gotten to the point now where I am seeing new content that I hadn't seen before. I had previously seen the first couple episodes and it does such a really great job of skewering those old Johnny Quest classic adventure cartoons, but it takes off from there and does a really good job of building up this world with all these characters you really care about and just tells these bizarre strange stories that are so outlandish but make perfect sense within the context of the world where masked villains are real and they operate under this guild of calamitous intent super science is a thing and it leads to all sorts of scientific for lack of a better word sciences and it's just got such heart 
but at the same time, it's very stupid. <laughs> I love that mix of heartfelt, feel good with stupid and or chaotic and irreverent. What's another word for irreverent, but it means not socially acceptable. What's the word I'm thinking of? It's black humor either way. I'm just gonna, we'll leave it at that. I'm gonna think of this word in 10 minutes. Derisive, contemptuous, scornful, disdain. No, it's not. Flippant. No. Presumptuous. No, you said presumptuous. <laughs> Are you just looking at the thesaurus too? Yes, I, I am. <laughs> <laughs> let's just let's just leave it. This is like forcing a turd. It's not gonna work. So Stephen, let's let's get into the meat and potatoes of today. Something that's been going on in the gaming sphere that is taking up a lot of energy recently is buyouts. We just had Microsoft acquire, well, Microsoft wants to acquire Activision Blizzard. Whether that will go through, we will see, because that is an insane merger. $69 billion, the amount of IP that they're going to now acquire, all the games they own now, like, wow. They own WoW now, both WoW at all the games they own, and yes, now also they own WoW. So they own the word WoW now, which is just WoW. And then just recently I was reading that Sony wants to acquire or did acquire, I don't even know what tends to refer to these things anymore. Sony is acquiring Bungie, maker of Destiny, which just like all these companies are getting bought up is both exciting as a gamer and nerve wracking as the kind of person who knows history and sees the negative side of monopolies, just play the board game and you'll know that monopoly is terrible. Have you been giving this any thought? So I still feel like Microsoft spent way too much Activision and Blizzard in the midst of all the things that Blizzard is going on. I think that's way too much to spend. But hey, if you want to spend that much, spend that much. I'm okay with it. If the buyout goes through, I am a little excited for it because it means there's a log, a library of things that can change. And, you know, maybe we'll see the next Elder Scrolls finally. You know, there are projects that I would like to see come back into the light. However, I do think it's a little expensive i think it's over the top they didn't have to spend that much um they should have done what they did before where they bought a bunch of smaller studios to work on properties in terms of that sony and bungie i saw that coming they have recently been developing a better relationship than bungie did with microsoft Mm -hmm. and now it just feels like a play or kind of like a one two moment where they're getting back at microsoft because of the way things settled back in halo three days i believe it was and for those of you who don't know bungie was the original creator of halo and they had creative differences with microsoft which led them to split and caused uh the creation of 343 studios and that's how 343 became known as the halo guys It really, seeing the news that Sony wanted to acquire Bungie really did kind of feel like a tit for tat. 
And it makes me a little nervous to see things start to escalate. You know, independence is the key to flourishing as a creative. So I'm a little nervous to see all these big studios and IPs get bought up because it's going to, it makes you wonder, like, are all the big games going to now be on one console? And I don't, I don't think that's inherently a good thing for these games. The more people that can play a game, the better it's going to be just because there's more exposure, more sales for the game means more success for the studio, means more ability to push a series forward if that's what you want to do. Because what's interesting about games is they really are a piece of design. It's not a piece of art in the way that it's one person. It's designed because all sorts of different hands have a stake in creating the final product. It makes my mind question where where the where the gaming sphere is going to go. Is this going to continue to be a trend? Is consolidation going to continue? And then Microsoft and Sony are going to own 85% of the market and that's going to be it. Is that good for gaming? Is that going to stifle gaming? If the two big giants are saying these are the kind of games we want, I I don't know. But one one thing that does give me hope is that I trust the moves Microsoft has been making recently in terms of letting developers continue to do their thing. You know, when they bought Mojang, maker of Minecraft, they just continued to operate. And with their recent moves in terms of Game Pass, uh, you and I have talked about the interface from Xbox console to Xbox console. It feels like they're building a really user-friendly system. So the fact that they're putting users first makes me have hope that they will continue this. But you know, as well as I do, that goodwill can be squandered so fast in the gaming community. So I can't really sit on that as my logic. Well, I will say, I feel like um, Sony's little, oh, Microsoft will honor contracts or they'll still put stuff out on both systems. I feel like that little comment is very very lighthearted in a sense because even as an optimistic person myself I will say that's a little too optimistic I do believe games like Call of Duty wow all that fun stuff will still see multi-platform support however I think the big money makers or the heavy hitters are going to see Microsoft now has more creation properties So they have more free will. So they're going to try and do more. They're going to try and branch out and explode on a different scale. So I do see Microsoft getting more exclusives or, or, you know, their wheelhouse is going to be stocked up more. Whether that's good or not, I'm going to look at it with the same vein of the Nintendo Wii, where the Wii had a bunch of games. They just didn't have great propriety to them. I will say I'm going to start looking at it and see, are we going to see another Wii situation or are we going to see Microsoft really rein it in, pull it down and just focus on properties that get the community going? It would be crazy if they didn't get some sort of exclusive games just because of the sheer amount of IP that they own now. I mean, just looking, I was looking at the list of all the, properties that Activision at Blizzard owns. You know, you mentioned Call of Duty, Candy Crush. That's still a thing among people. 
Crash Bandicoot. I were you a Crash Bandicoot person? Because I never played Crash Bandicoot. I didn't have a PlayStation as a kid. So Crash and Spyro were part of my early days. So yes, I was a Crash person. <laughs> He's already made his move onto different consoles with the latest Crash in Time, the fourth iteration. And I think they remade the original three for every single console. So he's already like spread out. Uh, I no longer feel like he is a Sony person per se or Sony IP, which is fine. I think that happened to Spyro already, but I still consider Spyro a Sony IP because he's just, he's Sony. I loved seeing all these older gaming mascots becoming cross-platform because we did see it with Spyro. We saw it with Crash Bandicoot. Recently, the Kingdom Hearts games came to Xbox, which I don't know. As a fan of series, as a nerd, just in general, the more people that I can talk to about this stuff with people, the better it is for me because I just I just want to talk about all these these amazing properties that I love so much. But I mean, the list goes on from there. There's Diablo. I never played Diablo. Were you were you a Diablo person? I've played a little bit of Diablo, not a whole bunch. My partner is a big Diablo fan. We played Diablo 3 together, and he is like at least 100 levels higher than me. <laughs> Flip side, my Monster Hunter is the exact same way. <laughs> I win. But um, yeah, Diablo, that's a big, big franchise that sees one every few years. And the fact that now we're seeing it come back or it's got this big backing to it it's one of those that's going to be interesting to see same with some of their other properties like overwatch will be very interesting to see what happens with you know that's such a big property just in the gaming space as a series that is all about esports it kind of would be crazy to limit something like that if you're considering the larger implications of overwatch or even games like starcraft which i believe they also now own Yes, there it is on the list as just quantities that are beyond Xbox, PlayStation, they're beyond platform. They are games unto themselves, just like soccer or football, or let's not bring sports into this. This is a safe space. Um, but looking down the list, like there's just so much that they own. Guitar Hero, Hearthstone, Heroes of the Storm, Overwatch, uh, I already said that prototype i remember that game looking really cool i never played it because it got terrible reviews spyro like we were saying um tony hawk's pro skater that that soundtrack alone makes me feel like a kid going to blockbuster renting the cartridge and being youthful um having knees that work um having time to just sit around and play my Game Boy games all day long and not worrying about adult responsibilities. Knees that work. I can't get over that. (laughs) My knees do still actually work. Not that there's any reason that they wouldn't work. I am a youthful and supple person. And that's all I'm going to say about that. But I'm looking, I'm looking back up this list because I already looked down the list and there's just other, so many properties that I don't even know. Zork, okay. Tenchu, I, I don't know. Space Quest, Soldier of Fortune. Skylanders, which is just Spyro by another name. 
Police Quest, Pitfall, Phantasmagoria, Laura Bow Mysteries. I want to know what that is. Laura Bow Mysteries, King's Quest, Interstate 76, Hexen, Gun. I remember Gun. It has a yellow cover. Geometry Wars. I also remember Geometry Wars. Gabriel Knight, Empire Earth, Caesar, and Blur. Like, they've got so much now. They've got all this power. Hopefully, if nothing else, they use this power to make good games because that's really what we all want, isn't it? Yeah. So I think they're going to keep the main stuff. So, like anything that's already multi platform. They're going to leave it multi-platform. It makes no sense to lose out on that stuff. So I feel like they will be very true to that. However, newer properties um, will say that Monster Hunter-esque third-person shooting, like that really cool dragon fighting game with the guy who's riding the dragon and shooting it with the AR-15. Steven, stop reminding me about that game. I want that game so bad. I... But I feel like if that comes back, if that becomes a thing, that would be backed by one of these properties. That would be an Activision property, and that would be an Xbox exclusive. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm going at. Yeah, I mean, from a business perspective, (gasps) somebody has a set. Ooh, teacher's going to yell at you. Ooh, It's just because I moved my hand. You moved your hand and your technology starts like going crazy? I know it it has um audio recognition. So when I move my hand up, it'll pick up like I'm trying to ask it something rather than press a button. How do you how do you shake weight with that thing? I use my other hand. Oh, perfect. There you go. There you go. That's called versatility. Um no, it just makes perfect sense from a business perspective. You know, like you want to make money sell these games but just looking at their previous acquisition microsoft bought bethesda and bethesda's new game is going to be xbox exclusive that's going to be a big game bethesda makes some titans bethesda makes bethesda made skyrim which made me a klepto so the power that they have now is very interesting to say the least i hope that they continue to foster goodwill Microsoft has been doing a lot with getting cross-play on platforms. They've been reaching out to Nintendo, spreading goodwill. I'd like to see more of that. You know, this whole idea of console wars is so outdated. It's so 1994. Can we just leave that in the last millennium, in the last, the before times even, if you will? Well, I will say some of that is going to be on Sony's case because they're going to have to really go ahead and just say, hey, can we bite this bullet? Are we going to like stop being, are we going to stop making this a, um, a competition? And are we going to just foster goodwill? What you mean to say is, are we going to stop being Sony? Not necessarily. I mean, you can, you can still be yourself, Come but you on. can also like not be an asshole. That's the advice, folks. You can still be yourself, but not be an asshole. (laughs) So knowing everything that's gone on between Microsoft and Nintendo and Sony sort of continuing to do their thing, are we in a place where 
console wars are done? Are we in a place where we're not so much in a console war, but maybe we're in a content war? Is that where we're living? I think it's been a content war for a while. I don't think it's been a console war since PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, Nintendo Wii days. And I'm going to say that because once everybody kind of realized, oh, this is silly, it really became, all right, well, am I going to get one or am I going to get the other? Like it, you just prioritize one over the other, but you still end up getting both if possible. It's what you're drawn to. I mean, my household is a Switch household, but we also have a PlayStation 5. And our draw for the PlayStation 5 was we were going to play more games. I got Ratchet and Clank. I played through Spider-Man. Returnal was pretty fun. Yes, this one was cross-platform, but um, we ended up buying Scarlet Nexus. We haven't played it yet, but we ended up getting it. But that was a game that we both felt like we would enjoy because it's anime inspiration and then it's got very beat-em-up or hack-and-slash kind of gameplay. So it was just kind of a mix of both worlds. But I will say it's been a content war for a while and we haven't quite realized it's been that. Steven, I have two things to say immediately to you. One, that game that you mentioned was a mix of both worlds. It's the Hannah Montana, the best of both worlds. I will always make that reference. And two, I was absolutely listening to every little detail of what you were saying, but I'm just sitting here thinking we did the same segment in this episode as we did in our episode zero and we redid it and we're still talking about the same things. And I'm just like, we're not giving the people what they want, Stephen. Well, we said content wars. <laughs> There's no going back now. There's only forward. Well, I think I think we we're just reaffirming where we sit on these things. To be clear, what we redoodooed was our segment, Stephen. What you binging? We're just making sure that anybody that's coming into episode one heard or did not hear or was not present or what I'm saying now is really not any thought that makes any sense. Episode zero. And I'm glad that didn't make sense because if you make a transcription, transcription, if you transcribe what I was just saying, it doesn't make sense. And so I actually think part of maybe why we fudged this a little bit and this makes sense in my mind, which is weird because thinking about it is me thinking about why it doesn't make sense. But I've long said that the reason my brain is so absolutely fried is because I watched too many cartoons as a kid. I don't know if I've ever told you this. My grandma would give me such crap because I just wanted to watch uh, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Oh, my God. Yeah. Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. And she's like, no. You cannot watch that VHS tape. I was like, Grandma, it's not a VHS tape. It's a digital copy. I am a child and it's 2018, Grandma. What are you talking about? And she says, well, you better rewind it. And I said, Grandma. Oh, I'm actually looking at a picture of my grandma that said that to me. (laughs) (laughs) She's on my desk. Look at this. 
I can't, I can't even show you this picture because it's so low resolution. Kodak premium processing may. <laughs> just kidding. 2000 and what's the date on that? 2024. I was, I was eight years old in 2024. So having said all that, having known that this is a podcast of authenticity and forward momentum, that's the energy I'm bringing into 2022. I want to spread positivity, productivity, and forward momentum. We're only going forward, baby. I think we should do a quick loop-de-loop and maybe have another segment because we were getting a little, a little grim dark there, you know, like content wars. Like, I don't, I don't want to talk about war, Stephen. I can't even look at the news and not be stressed. Let's not talk about war. Let's talk about love. I love, we love animation. We love it. Weren't we just talking about Animaniacs or you were trying to get me to watch, rewatch, indulge, enjoy, dive into the Animaniacs. Yes, we need to. Okay. Why do we need to? Why? Is it because they're zany? To the, to max. the max? So just and sit back and relax. You'll laugh to the max. It's animaniacs. Just, just, I can hear the rest of the words in my head and freakazoids there too. You love Freakazoid. Anytime we talk about this, you just like, do you just bring up Animaniacs so that way we can segue into Freakazoid every single time? Yes. Just yes. <laughs> just yes. So uh, most people growing up, they love Spider-Man, Superman, Batman. Like that was their thing. Sure. Freakazoid was mine. Freak- uh-huh. I fucking loved Freakazoid. Like even <laughs> that's my nickname for my family. They just call me Freakazoid because of how just, into it and how much I loved him as a kid. Are you sure that's what the F stood for? That's not what the F stood for. We all know better. No, that's that's how subtext works. Your family is was smart. You did tell me last time that your family was getting together to play Majora's Mask and Legend of Zelda uh, Ocarina of Time all the time. So I would like to double down on that statement. Your family is smart. I don't know your family, so I don't want to I don't want to dig into that. But on a surface level, we'll, we'll go there. Um, why do you love Freakazoid so much? Why do you love Freakazoid so much? Uh, because he was just a... I love parodies. I love making fun of things. And I love just having fun in general. And he was one of those heroes who did that, which is kind of why I like Spider-Man and Nightwing, because they're very happy-go-lucky. Their hearts are on their sleeves. They, you know, they joke in front of villains. They make witty banter you know, yes, they're here to do a job. They're here to stop you and you're the bad guy and they're the good guys, but they're just fun. Like Freakazoid had very cartoony and obscure ways of beating his villains. I mean, one of his villains was Jack jumping over the candlestick. Was Freakazoid as, I don't want to say surreal, but tongue in cheek, fourth wall breaking, self-aware as the rest of Animaniacs. I remember... From the bits and pieces that do live in my mind, Animaniacs being very self-aware. Yes, um, he was very self-aware because there were segments where he would just be like an M this week or smell a vision. Or there were components of episodes where it just was like, oh, well, this is cartoony. Or And there were even segments where, you know, he went and spoke to the audience and it was just it was funny. It was just like, oh, this never happens. Or 
this is weird. God, this makes me really want to go back and watch Freakazoid. <laughs> Did you have the hots for Freakazoid? I don't have the hots for Freakazoid. Or maybe I do, and I just don't know it. Maybe you should think about that a little bit. No, I don't need any more cartoon husbands. <laughs> how, how many are in your harem currently? What's the official current total? Uh, the official current total is, I have no fucking idea. Um, <laughs> we would have to refer to my Twitter account. And even then that's like a small bit. Um, <laughs> We're going to, let's just start listing off our cartoon husbands. Who we got? We got, we got Howl. We got uh, Leo. You got Gallo. We're, we're good there. We've got maybe Freakazoid. Uh, we've got Rivali. We've got Sidon. Sidon. I don't want to speak for you, but we've got a lot of cartoon husbands. Will real men ever compare? Real men will never compare. All we can hope for is a pale imitation and we'll settle. There we go. Uh, just, just, just give me my 4D and I... Uh... Just give you your 4D. Is that what you want, Stephen? Yes, not 5D, 4D. That's too many Ds. Have you ever seen a movie in 4DX? I have not. Can I tell you, I saw Promare in 4DX and it was honestly too many Ds. I'm not making any innuendos. I'm not doing any wordplay here. It was too many Ds because... I'm sitting in there and I'm sitting on the seat and it's for anybody that hasn't done it. It's a almost like imagine the ride at the theme park. That's the motion ride where you're watching on the screen and your seat is moving in tandem with that. So you've got that aspect. I'm sitting on the seat. There's air shooting out at me in the front of me. There's lightning going off. I get squirted with water. And then on top of all of that, there's little levers punching me in the back. And I'm like, this is too much. I enjoyed it. But sitting on the subway ride on the way home, I was just thinking. I don't care to get punched in the back while watching a movie. That's exactly what I was thinking. Well, on the subway, I don't. I, yes, I don't care to get punched and or robbed and or hurt and or anything in New York City. I mean, it's kind of an authentic New York experience, you know, like you go to the movies, you get beat up and spit on. Mm. Right? I don't think I care to have that in my movie. Is that just me? Am I the only one that's getting beat up and spit on every time I go to the movies? Are you laughing and throwing popcorn at this movie screen? Oh, my God. That guy on the AMC where he throws the popcorn. And then I don't know about you, but when I go to the movies recently... I've been going a lot because I bought this AMC movie pass. There's this crazy camp introduction with Nicole Kidman. And I am in such love with this thing. She goes on a three minute spiel and everything feels good in a place like that. She's sitting there and she's, you know, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Getting punched in the face feels good in a place like this. Getting accused of communism feels good in a place like this. Being a 15-year-old falling in love with a 25-year-old feels good in a place like that. I'm getting, nobody's going to know what I'm talking about, but there's one spot where she's, first of all, okay, let me, let me backtrack here a little bit because she walks into this theater in this stunning 
$20,000 looking pantsuit with silver sparkle pinstripes that run up the whole thing. She's absolutely alone in this deluxe theater, walking in in her heels. Um, She takes her cowl off like she's a Jedi or some shit. And then she sits down and she's she's doing her whole monologue. And the part that always kills me, I scream in the theater every time I see it, is just her sitting there with this big, stupid grin on her face. And the camera pans on her for a good three seconds. And I've, I probably only find it funny because I've seen it way too many times. But man it, man it, man it, man it, damn it, Janet Nicole Kidman. So I have not been going to the theaters as much as you have, but I will say the last time I went, it was Jeff Goldblum who did that. And in his comedic Jeff Goldblum kind of delivery, it was just kind of, it was funny. It was entertaining. I haven't gone in like months. The last time I went was for Spider-Man. So yeah, it has been like almost two months. I'm disappointed that I missed Jeff Goldblum. I honestly am. I noticed they do it specifically for certain theaters. So like Jeff Goldblum, we have an Alamo draft house up here in Westchester. Home of the X-Men. Kudos. Kudos. What a gay place to live. I know. What a queer place to live. Sorry, I wanted to asterisk that. Eventually I will live next to or inside X Manor. Eventually that's the dream. Is that what it's called, X Manor? I think it's like Xavier Manor, but then it's like also called X Manor because it's also like a it's a school for extraordinary children, mm-hmm. which I have a gym shirt for that. And I was walking in my mom's old apartment and one of the guys was like, oh, you went to Xavier? I was like, yeah, I went to Xavier School for Extraordinary Children. He was like, oh, what does that mean? I was like, I'm really good at math. <laughs> Did not get it. It was beautiful. I love straight people sometimes, very much sometimes. <laughs> and so that that is my my mess with people moment. But no, I think it's very specific to certain theaters. Like AMC has Nicole Kidman. Alamo has Jeff Goldblum. I don't know about Regal. Haven't been to a Regal theater in a while. Haven't really been watching movies like that. Ever since the pandemonium started, I haven't really gone to see movies That's fair. I'm a little burnt out. I don't know if I told you this, but my final total for Bell was (laughs) times. And I say that with exasperation because if I don't force myself to feel exasperated, I'll go see it again. I still can't believe you've seen it so many times. It's so good. It's so queer. It's so pop. It's so everything I could want. It's definitely soft world building. And I like that because you don't need to know all the things because it's not a story about the world so much as it is a story that takes place within that world. I really enjoyed it. I can't wait for it to come out. But that's besides the point. I When was the last time a really good, really interesting animated movie came out to the theaters? No, it's been a while. It, it really has been a while. Yeah. Spider-Verse. I would count Spider-Verse as the last really interesting one to come out in theaters. Well, yeah, that, that one, that one's hard to beat. You know? Yeah. And I'm so excited. Are you excited for Spider-Verse too? I am oh, really excited. 
I can't tell you how excited I am. The fact that they're going to go to other universes, I really hope that they do something clever with different art styles in the other universes, because if not, it's a total missed opportunity. No, I think they said they were going to do that. Oh, I think that's already known. Perfect. Exactly what I want. Because that's a that movie takes such strong influences from comics that if they were to fail to to push that even further, I would be let down. I'm so excited by the fact that it's a, or at least a part one out of X number. That just, you know, give me more of that. It was so exciting. And the fact that there's just no, there's no dearth of other X-Men to bring in. Oh, silly me. Other Spider-Men. Like, come on. When does that come out? This year? Next year? Uh, it's either this year or next year. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, which, you know, I probably should be more sure. Seashells, seashells by the seashore. Seashells, seashells by the seashore. Seashells, 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 seashells. Underwater waterfall, underwater waterfall, underwater waterfall, underwater waterfall. These are the warm-ups that I should have done at the beginning, but now I'm warmed up halfway through the episode. All bets are off, baby. Probably did not sound like a uh, like a bro when I said that. Underwear, under who? Underwater, wonder who? Underwater Wonder Woman, Underwater Wonder Woman, Underwater Wonder Woman. This is my real voice, Stephen. I just been putting on an act the rest of the time. Do you feel intimidated by me, Stephen? I'm so intimidated. I can tell by the timbre of your voice. Tell me more of how intimidated you are so I can exert my power over you as a straight man. Silence, exactly. That's what I call true power, true intimidation. I don't like this game anymore. I feel, I feel, I feel gross. I don't, I'm not, I'm not here for it. Nah. So Across the Spider-Verse was originally slated for April 22, which would have been the movie I go and watch on my birthday this year. However, it got pushed back to October. So now it's my Halloween movie. Okay. We still love Halloween. I'll buy you a ticket for your birthday. That'll be your birthday present. No, now it's now it's Halloween. Well, you'll just have to wait for your birthday present then, Stephen. I can't wait. I'm impatient. Okay, Veruca Salt. Like, do you want to go down the chute? You want to go down the poop chute? Give me blueberry gum. I want blueberry snozberries. Snozberry? What kind of flavor is a snozberry? There's no such thing as a snozberry. Shut up, little bitch. <laughs> that was eight-year-old me before I had those words. I remember watching the original Willy Wonka with my other grandmother. I had like 17 grandmothers. And her just railing on those nasty little children. And I was like, that's, I mean, you got a point. The children are terrible. But that's the point of the movie. Like, grandma, get with it. The children are terrible. Children are just inherently bad. Not always. Sometimes they're good, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta finesse them to get them there. You know, like they're little, they're evil little boogers, but they can be good. You know, there's a reason why the phrase you should have been swallowed is a phrase. (laughs) 
I'll never forget the time I quoted an Austin Powers reference to my mother in the car. We were driving home from Barnes and Noble and we were coming on to the exit ramp, which was a big round turn. So we crossed the highway and we're going around the turn and she's driving and I'm sitting in the front seat and my brother's in the back seat and I'm turning around. So I'm looking into the back seat. And so I'm in the passenger seat and my mother is like immediately right there within hands reach. And I gave her the line about Robin Spitz maiden name swallows. And I had no idea what I was saying, you know, and her voice just went from zero to 100 real fast. That doesn't make sense, but she got crazy fast. And I just sort of sat back and didn't know what to say. I'll never forget that. That moment is seared into my memory. It probably took me another like 18 years to understand what that meant being the late bloomer that I am, but or I immediately understood it because I just went home and looked it up on the internet. I don't know. It could be one or the other. It's probably the first one. But anyway, Stephen, thank you for joining me at our first meeting of Animaniacs Anonymous. They say that the first step to overcoming an addiction is admitting it. And I will admit that I am addicted to animation, but Truth be told, I don't want to do the other 11 steps because I'm fine with my addiction. I'm happy with my strange addiction. I love it and I'm not giving it up. And honestly, if it leads to my, the rest of my brain being fried, that's just good for everyone else because it's just going to make me more wacky, wonky, wicky, wacky. Like it's just going to fuck me up even more. So, you know what, everybody else, enjoy the ride because this is what we call rapid decline toot, toot. my tugboat no it's the rapid decline it just goes toot toot okay i like that it's like a it's like a 16 wheeler so i'm imagining i'm going like this poo, toot. oh mine's a deep one that's because i'm a straight man remember oh yeah toot, toot. don't forget it baby all right all right all right Matthew McConaughey. Stephen, we were talking about video games before I uh, derailed this semi 16 wheeler. I'm going to say before we segued. You love segueing with the word segue. Yep. That's just, just how it is. Does segue still exist? The, the ridey things? Yes, they still exist. They're not as popular, mm-hmm. but they do still exist. Well, the technology is now all over the place because you see people riding the hoverboards and that's the same thing basically just now without without handles with more danger now. Toot, toot. I could not. If if all those things driving around the city made that ridiculous like toot toot sound, but they all had the exact same timber to them. So like all we're hearing is that exact same like toot toot throughout New York City, a cacophony of toot toots. Want to toot toot with me? Toot 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 Okay. Let me ask you a question, Stephen. Yes. We're talking a lot about exclusive games. Do we love them or do we hate them? I have such mixed feelings on them because, on the one hand, when I get to play them, I love them. But on the other hand, 
I don't own a PlayStation, so I can't play The Last of Us and Horizon Zero Dawn, so I'm really salty. That's actually funny. <laughs> Is that just the way the world works? Is that just, am I always just going to be salty? What's the, what's the deal? What's the sitch? No, I think eventually <laughs> Horizon Zero Dawn recently got released onto PlayStation. So we'll eventually get to play it. We'll eventually get to cross-platform and all that fun stuff. We just have to wait for everybody to get with the times on things. I'm a fan of it because same way I will say with, you know, artists, go and support your favorite company. Go and support who you want to support as long as, you know, you know what they're for and what they're about and what's going on. So exclusives make buying consoles as a big gamer as I am, as a big gamer you are, you know, it makes the decision easier um, because, yeah, we're going to stick with what we know or what we love. However, I have a system where I have to at least know the first five games before I buy a console on release day, before it's, you know, number one on my list. I have to know what are the definite games I'm buying. So for like Nintendo Switch, Sword and Shield was coming out. Not that it was Sword and Shield. I knew Smash Brothers was coming out. I knew we were going to see a new Pokemon remake. We were going to see a new Mario Kart and a new Mario Party. Those are the five. And if you notice, those are all exclusives. And I'm not even doing remakes. I mean, Mario Kart is a remake. um, And there is a new Mario Party remake, which is actually really good. That's (laughs) Steven. You know, you're, I'm going to still have, I have to be that person. You're not doing remakes, but the third one you listed was the Pokemon remake. Ah. Yeah. (laughs) But even, even then uh, we're getting Bayonetta three on the switch. So you could easily swap that out. Yeah, baby. So I know within the first five games or breath of the wild, breath of the wild, Mario Odyssey, sword and shield, Super Smash Brothers, and Bayonetta. Boom, five. Either way, you had a whole long list of games to look forward to and play. Yeah. Uh, PlayStation 5, I had Ratchet and Clank. I had um, Spider-Man, Horizon. Um... There was something else I knew was coming out. Sure. But you knew what to look forward to, and you had reasons to want to own this system. Right. And then, you know, you look at Xbox um, 358 over two days slash broken memories, field dreams, um, chain of memories. The one game, the one game I waited for, they canned it. I just remember the title. It's called Scalebound. There we go. Scalebound. The only thing I wanted canceled. Can we make a pact now to stop talking about, to never speak about Scalebound again? No. God damn it. Okay, fine. I, I can't. That's It's one of those, like, until the game gets made, until I play it, I will never forget it. Can we make a pact now to talk about Scalebound every episode? Yes. Yes, we can. It has to come up in some which form or way. Perfect. I'll start thinking of the puns now. The scalier, the better. Oh, you know me well, Stephen. You know me well. We will be bound. We are bound to talk about this game every episode. The scales have been tipped in our favor. Ooh, that was a good one. Thank you. Thank you. 
have there been any exclusives you've wanted to play but have not been able to? Sunset Overdrive. Excellent choice, Stephen. I, you were listing off crazy non-existent Microsoft exclusives because Microsoft exclusives don't count, but that one is honestly come over and play it sometime. It's I really enjoyed it. It was not to rub it in, but they did a good job. And see, that's that's why my mind thinks exclusives aren't really great because what are you what do we as gamers gain by not being able to play games we just miss out on fun experiences well no um so it draws people to buy certain consoles it draws people to play on certain areas it it draws revenue for the console so i will say on a business standpoint exclusives are good and you know even though i'm missing out on sunset overdrive because i really 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 want to play it Mm -hmm. i will say the fact that i'm not so easy to jump in like i'll get an xbox i will eventually it's not high on the priority list they have to give me a few more games a few more exclusives before i get it but i don't want to wait for sunset overdrive i really don't but I'm doing it because Microsoft isn't really like giving me a reason to get it. That's very fair. I, I hear your reasoning and I, I, I have a hard time understanding from strike that I don't, the way I see it, exclusives can make sense when the console is tailored a lot more. Think of the DS. Those are experiences that could only exist on the DS games on the 3ds even games on the wii but when it comes to consoles like the xbox and the playstation those games could easily exist anywhere and it just comes down to business reasons you know there's no reason why sunset overdrive couldn't be played on a playstation there's no reason why i couldn't play horizon zero dawn on my xbox other than business people Boo business people. Can we agree to boo business people? Always. Always just boo them. Good man. Um, where was I going with this? My mind got distracted with uh, irritation at the rich. Um, there's no reason why I couldn't play those games. Physical reason other than they've been kept off the systems. And it's it's kind of a bummer. You know, there are plenty of games that I would like to play and I don't know if I would care if Pokemon would be released on Xbox. It's almost a bad analogy because I am very loyal to Nintendo. I I like Nintendo. So let me take this in a different way. Um, A game like, it's hard because the only series I'm loyal to are pretty much on Nintendo consoles. But something like Mass Effect, when that was still exclusive to Microsoft and the first game, I don't care if I play it on a PlayStation, you know, I'm more looking forward to, or I'm more loyal to Mass Effect than I am to the system it's on. Right. And I think that speaks more to the game, Mm -hmm. whether the fan base is more loyal to the game rather than the console. So like when Kingdom Hearts initially made the jump onto Nintendo consoles, that was a no-brainer. I jumped for that. I was like, I'm here for it. Let's do it. But when it made the jump to Xbox, I was, you know, a little upset. I'm not going to lie. 
because traditionally I felt like Kingdom Hearts 1, 2, 2.5, 2.8 were on. Oh, yeah, I have to I have to just have to throw that out there. But those were traditionally on PlayStation consoles. And, you know, seeing it on Xbox did feel like a or seeing PlayStation um, Kingdom Hearts 3 on PlayStation on Xbox. I was like, but you're not getting the full story, the full game. And then when they re-released it, I was like, OK, as long as like it's there, it's readily available for everybody. So I do want to touch upon this. Um, that's kind of why I like Melody of Memories. I like games that go back and revisit everything, but don't revisit the entirety of the game. So it's like, here's the story from point A to point B, mm-hmm. and we're going to just recircle it or redo it in this cutesy little manner. So like Melody of Memories was that, like you would play a rhythmic game and go through the stories of all the other games and you got the same thing same content just it was played differently what series is that from it's kingdom hearts and what system was that on that was on the switch and is it a music game it's a music game and is it sort of like elite beat agents what music game would you correlate it to in or 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 mama mama ma i don't know what what game would you relate it to um tatsunoko no taiko uh did i say that i think i butchered that sure i'm gonna pretend i know what you were talking about even if you said that correctly uh i would say like taiko taiko or guitar hero so the way the game plays is you're on a track and you have to hit the beats and the beats are in the form of enemies so you'll see like the heartless, you'll see the unversed, depending on the story you go through. But you'll go through that, and as they get closer, you have to whack them with the keyblade. Whereas Guitar Hero, you had to strum along and you delete the little circle. Taiko, no drum, you would beat the drum. So it's very much in that vanity. Mm. While we're on the subject of Kingdom Hearts and in knowing that we discussed this in our introductory episode, I did say that I don't care about Kingdom Hearts and I'd never play Kingdom Hearts, but I may have had a change of Kingdom Hearts. Let me ask you this question because I had this conversation recently. We all kind of, we collective gamers, people that are tuned in kind of know that Kingdom Hearts 3 was a bit of a flop. Um, or at least it didn't live up to the hype that people had for it. Let's leave it at that. Is Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 still a game I should go back and play? Do they exist well enough on their own as as units? You know, like Kingdom Hearts 1 is its own thing. It doesn't have to be Lord of the Rings 1, 2, and 3. Those exist as a whole, at least in my mind. Can I play Kingdom Hearts 1 and just enjoy it? Should I just play Kingdom Hearts 1 and just enjoy it? Should I also play 2? Should I just play 2? Do you have input on this? Because I would appreciate your input. So I will say each Kingdom Hearts game, you don't have to know the story because the story is so convoluted. So you could actually go from (laughs) one, you can start with two. The game is a timey-wimey ball of yarn. It's, It's all over the place. And I had to throw the Doctor Who reference in there. You're welcome, everybody. Because... Where one game starts doesn't necessarily mean that's the start of the story. So I would heavily suggest playing like one or two. You could play both because they do stand alone. They're really, really good. 
my favorite birth by sleep is one of those games that really plays with the idea of time in the sense that you play as one of three characters and each character takes place in a different part of the story. So my guy, Ventus, he's like the beginning, like he's going everywhere or he was the middle, I would say. I gotta go back and play Birth by Sleep now, but more or less he was the middle. So every time I got to a new level, something had already happened. There was story progression and I got a big chunk of the story just by starting with his character And then when I went back to the next character, I then went to Aqua. She was the end of every part. So I got the end of each story for those levels. And then when I finally went to Terra, he was the beginning. That sounds super interesting, but it sounds like such a gimmick. Did it work? It did work. It's the reason why I don't care for Aqua. I really didn't like her until kingdom hearts 3 when she made her appearance or like towards the end end of birth by sleep because i just i felt like she got the short end of the stick ventus was very fun his story was very lively there was like it was dynamic she felt like she was the cleanup she felt like she was just eh. like it was just all right I, i'm ending it that's it And then Tara just felt like he was the start of the problem. So I didn't really care for him, but I liked him more than I liked Aqua. So I will say it was gimmicky for the game, but it worked in its favor because every story felt different. Yes, they took place in the same time frame, but you saw, oh, because you did this with Tara, it affected Ventus. And because you did that with Ventus, this is how it affected Aqua. I guess it's not a gimmick if it works. It's still a gimmick because you could easily say, you know, it's like Pokemon. Pokemon has like mega evolutions and then they have their VMAX evolutions. And now they're doing universal forms for every generation or for every area. But those things are very specific to the game. It's that gimmick is not seen in any other Kingdom Hearts game. There you have it. Let's let's pour one out for Terra, folks. Teen Titans breaks my heart every time. Uh, I had to make the reference. That's that's what you get for making me think about scale down, Stephen. Pour one out. I'll make it up to you though. Did you know that there's now four seasons of Young Justice? Yes, actually, we've been watching it. Of course, you did. How is it? I need to watch. It, it's good um, when it gets to like the end of, I don't know if it's like the end of season four, they haven't released any episode, but there's like a specific magic part where they start doing the titles backwards. I noticed that as I was looking at the titles. So I've always liked Zatanna. So whether it's good or bad, I'm probably going to watch it eventually. I'm sorry for reminding you of Tara. I'm sorry. I kind for- of recommend it. You kind of it's uh, it's it's different and there's so many intricate parts coming uh-huh. together okay. that i can't i have the verdict's still not out yet okay okay well i'm sorry you interrupted me apologizing to you steven and that you didn't get to hear a heartfelt apology and you know what steven that's just you know what that's going to be something you're going to have to live with because at this point in the day, 
There is no room to backtrack. I've already said this is a podcast about forward momentum only. And now that I am on this spiel, I just want to put out into the universe that I have lots of important things to say. And if you want to just, you know, play me off, now is the time for the music because I'm starting to think, did I really have a point in saying this? Was I just wanting to talk because I needed to talk? I don't know. What's going on? What day is it, Stephen? Are we, are we, are we ready to say goodnight, Stephen? I think we're ready. Would you like to send us off? So with that, I will send us off. Thank you for joining us on this magical ride with Pepto-Bismol filled vomit. Good night, everybody. (laughs) I love Pepto-Bismol. Sponsor us, Pepto-Bismol. Good night, everybody. I love you, my babies. Good night, everybody. This is me, Steve Vixen, signing off. Um, uh, my name, signing off too. (laughs) (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.